You're listening to the Mindful Psychology Podcast, a podcast designed to explore mindfulness, psychology, neuroscience, and various aspects of holistic health. My name is Jen. I'm your host. I'm also a therapist, an educator, and a yoga teacher. Join me and brilliant guests as we explore various topics and offer you actionable steps so that you can be informed and intentional about your health and well-being. Now sit back, relax, maybe take a notebook out, and let's dive in. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Mindful Psychology Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and thank you for letting me be a part of your day. If this is your first time, welcome. And if this is not, if you're returning, thank you very much and welcome as well. Thank you all of you for being here today. And yes, I'm very excited to jump into this episode. So today we're going to talk about trauma healing and some different things with regards to that. (laughs) So we're going to break it down into uh, unpacking a little bit what trauma is and how it can affect us and then we'll talk about what this might look like as we interact with others or interact with the world develop our relationship with ourselves, and that sort of thing and then we'll talk about different steps we can take toward being more aware more curious about our triggers about our patterns and and see what steps we can take toward reprogramming a little bit and relearning and of course healing Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about boundaries of course it's always a good opportunity to bring in some boundaries what would an episode of this podcast be without some boundaries talk and uh, we will talk also about some mindfulness another really important aspect of this podcast and uh and then might jump into some forgiveness but may leave that for another episode as well we have done episodes on forgiveness before uh, and i do sort of bring it into episodes especially when we talk about this idea of healing from trauma healing from something painful that happens to us or that we go through we're going through but uh, it won't be a central theme per se so that's the general outline of what is going to be happening in this episode i just wanted to also put just get a couple of things out of the way so for those of you who are in touch with me more or who are on my news like on my mailing list and get my newsletters from time to time um i will be away we were thomas and i both are going to be away for the most of the month of may and then we will be back and things will will continue as as they do um we will be away on on holiday for for a few weeks soon and uh and but there are episodes lined up for those weeks we have some great guests on the show and so those episodes will be available to you uh, as well and uh, and then we continue business as usual when we get back, and that's that. Otherwise, yes, that is what's going on. If um, if you want to reach out to me, you absolutely can. I will be away, but I will get. I will still be working. I will still be around until around May third, May fourth, and then when I come back and start again on the first week of June. So I will be around. If there's anything that you want to say or if you just want to reach out you can always reach out to me and I'll get back to you as soon as I can and just in general if you guys if you do want to reach out to me for anything for the podcast for uh, if you want to work together if you just have some questions about something or if you just want to say hi that's fine I always get back to everyone so feel free to reach out feel free to say hello and uh yes and I always love hearing from you so that's always fun you can do that I always link some main links in the show notes then you can find ways to connect with me ways to get the free anxiety and boundaries ebook and of course how to um, book an appointment or anything like that you also get the link to my website where you can find everything and where of course you can reach out to me from there as well 
And then when we get back uh, in, in June, we will talk about some other things that we have going on, that I have going on this summer. And for the rest of the year, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch. We'll talk about all those things later on. But for today, I just wanted to put that out there and, and get it out and uh, and just... Yeah, just put, put that out there. I'm very excited. I mean, we can start to feel that summer's coming, right? I don't know about you. <laughs> oh, I guess it also depends where you are in the world. But um, yes, the summer is definitely... Like, we're starting to feel that heat uh, coming back here. So we have pretty mild winters in general. But still, you know, it's it's not... Uh, we do have different temperatures in the winter, of course. And uh, it's not just hot all year round. And so uh, so it's nice to have those those temperatures going up again and uh, feeling that heat. It's nice and uh, it's, it's exciting. It's a really nice time around the Mediterranean in the summer, isn't it? From uh, from the spring to the autumn really is a, is a pretty peak time. But the summer particularly, of course, especially when school's out and families start to go on holidays in the Mediterranean and you're seeing a lot of nice families on the island and on the other islands. It's really fun. So, um, so that's something that we're looking forward to as well. But uh, yeah, so... Just wanted to put a few of those things out there, and uh, and and that's that's that. So <laughs> so that's pretty much it. And um, yeah, okay. So let's jump into today's episode. So we are talking about trauma and trauma healing, sort of these these types of things, as always, and very important when we're talking about trauma and and healing and these different things. That this is for educational purposes only. This is general information. This is not meant to replace therapy or meant to act as therapy or anything like that if you have any questions or concerns about your specific situation please or i please please reach out to a trained mental health professional it doesn't have to be me i always say that you don't have to work with me (laughs) even if you need a referral or a recommendation or something like that please feel free to let me know and i will help guide you to where you are wanting to be and, uh, and if there is someone that you trust, someone that you have around you that you want to reach out to, please do so so that they can help you with your specific situation, because that would be the most helpful thing. This is always good for general information and to get us curious and to get us learning more about ourselves, learning more about different aspects of mental health, different aspects of of well, different healing practices, different therapies, things like that, but does not replace therapy, right? So, okay. Now that we've gotten some of the housekeeping out of the way, let's really dive into this episode. So when we talk about trauma, let's just first start talking about trauma. I know that there is a lot of talk out there sometimes like that people think everything is trauma nowadays, that, you know, we're always calling everything trauma. Everyone is traumatized. It's just, you know, it's a big topic. Everyone's talking about it. And I feel like some people sort of roll their eyes at that word sometimes. Well, everything is trauma. That's trauma. This is trauma. I get that it can be frustrating. I think there are a lot of buzzwords in this field. And I know that it can get a lot of eye rolls. But I think it's an important thing that we talk about this. Like, I I think it's important to open the dialogue. I think it's important to have conversations about these topics. And and especially about trauma. Like, I, I think it's important that we talk about these things. With this, I also think it's really important to have the right kind of conversations and to have the right kind of information out there and and help facilitate like a healthy, educated discussion and exchange of information. So obviously always consuming informa- consuming content as part of a balanced diet. So not using only me as your source of information, but balancing it out with other people who are also creating content like this, but making sure that it is trust, um, that it is evidence-based, science-backed, trustworthy content right like that you can really rely on this content so that sort of thing and also remembering that even when things can get a little eye rolly or they feel sort of self-indulgent that 
they are still important conversations to have and that even when it feels like that, maybe there's still something that we can find in it. And it's not to say that every person who's creating content is going to resonate with you. And it's not to say that every topic is going to resonate with you. But if we are curious, if you are consuming this kind of content, maybe it would be helpful to see if there's something that's, I don't know, poking at something inside of you. You know, if there if there's a topic or something, I, you know what I mean? Something that could make us feel like, wait, why is that making me so uncomfortable? Or why do I find that kind of eye-rolly? Or why do I find myself self-indulgent for thinking about these things, right? Like, I think we can all feel like that sometimes. Or we can feel embarrassed or ashamed to identify with some of these topics or identify with any uh, any aspects of trauma but at least when we're listening to this podcast or or information like this content like this allowing ourselves to have a chance to just explore and be curious and I want to open this episode up with that idea because I think that that sort of curiosity that exploration is really what will open our open us up open our hearts up our minds up to allow for the possibility of healing and learning new ways of living in more healthier ways right in in healthier ways so with that let's uh, let's continue so when we talk about trauma some of you may or may not have heard about this already uh, we have talked about this on the show but i will quickly go over some some different aspects of, of trauma. So we've talked about PTSD and CPTSD. Some of you may know this as post-traumatic stress disorder or complex uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. The main difference being or differences being that with PTSD, we have one big threatening or one big, uh, yeah, I guess life-threatening event that can traumatize us, right? Whereas with complex PTSD, we'll have something more like a, a series of smaller, of possibly smaller, quote unquote, uh, threatening events over over a period of time that can cause similar symptoms, but also other ones. And we talked about when we talked about attachment styles. We had a mini series on attachment when we talked about preoccupied, avoidant, and disorganized. Within the disorganized one, we did talk about what chronic, repeated, and and smaller although sometimes also very significant not necessarily small in that they're negligible by any means but just that smaller not necessarily one big life or death situation but perhaps some smaller but equally threatening to the nervous system events right a series of these and how they really affect us right how they really affect us over time and they affect the way that we see ourselves and the world and the way that we have our relationships and both can do this both with PTSD and CPTSD we can find a lot of these similar symptoms um, it's just that when we had talked about disorganized attachment and how that's often linked with trauma and childhood trauma or or trauma even later in life and how that can affect our attachment style too um, and how how that will th- there's that l- lack of trust that innate lack of trust in the world and in ourselves and in people and in uh, well really just this innate sense of dis insecurity insecurity sorry and distrust right which of course we can find in you know after a very big traumatic event like we, we think of a big traumatic event something life or death it could be um an accident it can be sexual assault right it can be um 
some natural disaster, something like that. Uh, these big events that we always associate with PTSD. Of course, there are many others and we associate that with PTSD. And then with CPTSD, we might think of something like an abusive relationship, right? Or childhood abuse. We might think of uh, different things or situations where there were repeated incidents over a period of time. So whilst each event can seem smaller and less significant than, say, a natural disaster, they can have equally damaging effects on the nervous system and are on us, right? And they happen also over a period of time. So there's also like a lack of awareness a lot of the time of the impact that it's having on us, right? So that's sort of how we'll distinguish between PTSD and CPTSD and how we have on the show before. And so you can go back to those episodes, both with the guests, both with guests and some solo episodes of mine where we did talk about PTSD and CPTSD. And obviously, as you look at the different symptoms, you'll find like, well, I find that in PTSD, well, I find that in CPTSD, that there is a lot of overlap, of course, both being caused by very severe trauma, right? And both causing this feeling of distrust or this feeling of, or this fear or this, um, this activation, right? And this, uh, and it can cause different things. And there are criteria that that are part of PTSD and some that are more related to CPTSD. But really it was just to make that distinction right off the bat that yes, there is this idea of PTSD being one big event, let's say, and CPTSD being more a series of events. Now in general though, like when we're talking about trauma and especially with regards to this episode like as we're as we're discussing here when we talk about events in general and just our experiences that we talk about on this podcast and as we're going to discuss in this episode just our experiences and how it isn't just about memory or about how we think of things right like it isn't just about the cognitive aspect of things or or you know because we talk a lot about core beliefs or what we think about ourselves or about the world or what we believe right like what what stories we tell ourselves what we what we think is true like what we really believe to be true uh negative self-talk all of these things obviously these are yes like a lot of this can be traced back to core beliefs a lot of we've talked also about attachment theory and about attachment styles and how this can be traced back to our earliest experiences with our with our caregivers and our primary attachment figures be it our parents or whoever else was our uh, our primary caregiver or primary caregivers plural right and so a lot that can tell us a whole lot about how we relate to ourselves and the world around us right but of course these can change based on our experiences later on different relationships that we have different events different things that happen and and all of that of course now even more so than than the cognition or than the thoughts and the stories and the the core beliefs and these things what really is happening at the beginning and what stays with us is the nervous system imprint, so to speak, right? This idea that our body does keep score and our nervous system remembers and there is so much happening inside of us, so much conditioning going on that that is not just cognition, right? So what do I mean by that? Like when we're talking about the effects of our experiences and, and again, like relating it back to trauma now, this is not just that it's not just that trauma changes the way that we think or the way that we feel or the way that we make choices or the way that we behave, right? It There are physiological, physiological changes that take place when we are, when we have 
been through trauma, be it an isolated incident or be it a series of inf- of incidents, right? So whether we're we're talking more about PTSD or CPTSD, there are huge changes that happen in our in our functioning in our brain. Like these are neurological changes. So not just thoughts or or um, or or feelings or things that we can be aware of on a conscious level, but really things that happen on a biological level. Yeah. So these are and this is important to remember because when we talk about say frontal lobe and amygdala and these different things we've talked about that a lot on the show we tend to think that like yeah i'm afraid this is my amygdala or yeah i'm feeling like this this is my amygdala but actually the conscious thought like the cognitive aspect of it the thing like identifying it as fear or annoyance or frustration or whatever the feeling is that happens after right the amygdala really is part of a response system right part of a of an activation system and response like a part of a, a distress response but isn't all of it and also is not cognitive like this is biological so if something is happening the amygdala is getting activated and there's a whole cascade of things happening after that this is a biological process what happens after when we say oh this is annoying or this is frustrating or this is scary or this is you know this is cognitive right so first it's like not first it's what is happening that is embedded in us almost right like this automatic response to something and then it's okay well I feel like this and this is this is what it what this person is doing and this is what's happening and then it's the stories then it's the the narrative that we have inside of us and that's important to to, dis, to distinguish I find because it's one thing to say being in a situation where you're like oh this person's doing this I'm annoyed because that's what they're doing that's what this this is what's happening that's why I'm doing this and you know all hell breaks loose sort of right because then it's like you're in this huge conflict and everyone is sort of having their response their biological response and then the cognitive follow-through or the cognitive like the thought process after and then the feelings and then the actions and then the whole cycle of justification because we feel this way and because we're so sure the other person is doing whatever it is that so-and-so is doing and then there can't be really any resolution from there because still this biological activation hasn't really been calmed down like it hasn't been tapped into and then calmed and regulated right the nervous system has not been regulated and so what this can look like is as I said, like, well, I'm doing this because you did this, we get into a bit of a tit for tat situation where, okay, I will get activated, say if someone starts to get aggressive, or starts to raise their voice, that could be something really distressing to me. And then I go into my, so like, I have my biological response. And then from there, I have my cognitive process where I'm like, well, now I'm activated, like, as in, I'm I'm obviously having my biological response. I'm activated, yeah? And then what am I thinking? I'm not necessarily thinking, oh, I am activated. I'm thinking I'm annoyed or I'm scared or so-and-so is upset with me or, uh, you know, or I'm feeling ashamed or I'm feeling anxious or... And often really I am anxious. I am afraid. I am overwhelmed. This is a lot. Or, you know, we'll feel whatever we're feeling, yeah? And that is... And then the core beliefs come into play, like, oh, this always happens, or why do I always make this mistake, or oh, I'm so stupid, like, why do I keep doing this, or um, or I'm going to be 
like this this is what's going to happen and then I'm going to be abandoned like you know you're not listening to me you're 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 rejecting me like you're not seeing me and then we're saying this to the person or whatever it is depending on the situation of course this is just an example and then the other person having their own processes as well is getting all activated right like they have their biological response then they have their cognitive process where they're like oh okay well I'm annoyed now because now I'm being accused of rejecting them or of not seeing them or of not being loyal, or of not showing them enough affection, that annoys me, because then I feel inadequate, I always feel inadequate, and a lot of these are not like conscious thoughts, we're not always thinking like, I know that I tend to feel inadequate, so right now I'm activated because I feel inadequate, like that's exactly what we're not doing, right, but we do have, let's say, feelings of inadequacy, and we start to think like, oh, why can't I never do anything right, why are you always getting upset with me, like I can never do anything right, it's like you're never happy, it's never enough, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, right? And do you see how this escalates? Some of you might be listening to this like, yes, these are arguments I have all the time, right? Or these are things that we can totally see happen. And we feel so justified in the moment, right? We feel so right. Like, this is always what happens. This is what you're doing. This is what's happening. And it's so easy to externalize and sort of look at what's happening, what the person is doing. And then when we start to try to regulate or to understand we might even think that we're really calming ourselves down and that we're really going into conflict resolution mode. <laughs> but like, we might not necessarily be there yet because we're still sort of externalizing and still sort of saying, okay, well, this is what I'm trying to say. Like, this is what I meant. Or, you know, tell me what you meant. And then the other person says like, what I well, what I was trying to say was, and you can see how that's not necessarily helpful because then again, that can be perceived as aggressive. <laughs> and then the other, and then, you know, again, you're thinking, well, why are they getting so upset with me? Like, why am I always, do you see what I'm saying? Like, do you see where I'm going with this? It spirals out of control, right? Completely out of control. So what can we do now that we understand, like now that we are starting to understand that these things can happen and that thoughts are not everything, right? Like as in thoughts are obviously really important and of course they affect us and there's so much behind thoughts and so much that happens after our thoughts that yeah of course they can have a huge amount of control over how we behave of course and just like we can have some control over our thoughts but there's also a lot of other there are a lot of other things like for example the biology of the matter right the the things that are happening in our body that we're not controlling and when we talk and and this is not only pertaining to trauma like this is just how it is in general like we all have a distress response we have millions of years of evolution allowing us to have this stress response right so it's not just because of our past it's also because we just have this right and so a lot of these things that we have and the different systems that we have working all the time for us these are happening all the time right and then after that it's it's everything that happens after that like once it reaches our mind and once it once it reaches our awareness and then we can start to say like oh okay so this is what's happening i'm feeling like this i'm starting to think that maybe okay that per- okay so we start to look at the story and then w- what we can first do in a situation like that is think well what's actually happening here because if i try from this state to say well what is upsetting me or what is making me feel like this of course we're going to say, well, because so-and-so is doing this, like my partner's saying this, or my friend is saying that, or my my child is saying this, right? Like well, immediately, of course we can find a reason because we're already externalizing, we're already in a 
defensive sort of state and we're already activated. So of course we're going to find a bunch of reasons and, and point fingers as to why we're feeling the way that we're feeling, right? So the first thing is to, is to understand and try as much as possible to remember that that first thing that's happening, that first reaction, the first step, really the first one, before our thoughts have a chance to tell stories, before the core beliefs are being revealed, before the, narr- the narrative that we have is unfolding, there is a biological process taking place. What is that one? What is happening there? What activated that? Because it won't necessarily be what you think it is, right? And it won't always even be as threatening as you think it is. And so if we journey back to that initial idea of trauma and what we're talking about today, and we think about that and we think about, okay, so if my experiences in general are are part of me and they affect the way I interact, what happens when... I've been through something traumatic. What happens when I can have a, 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 a very heightened sense of activation or I can feel very, um, like it's very difficult for me to regulate my emotions or I find that I'm often easy, easily triggered or something like that or um, it, I feel like I live in disorganization a lot or I can often find myself disorganized. Um, and of course, you can listen to the episode on disorganized attachment a few episodes ago, but finding that sense of disorganization, which we can all feel a lot of these things, by the way, like this is not to say that it's necessarily because of trauma, like a really important piece here. We can all feel disorganized sometimes. We can all be triggered sometimes. We can all have difficulty regulating our emotions sometimes. It's not necessarily because of past trauma, okay? But if we are factoring in this idea that trauma can cause a lot of changes in our bodies and in our minds and all of that, and that there are changes taking place and that there are conditionings, right? Like there are reflexes almost, like it it is a top behavior, like these things trigger me, like these things remind me of that. And it's not just a memory or an association, like a trigger is a really deep, like this is really deep, strong and like a heightened sense of activation so it's not just and I, I know we use that word a lot like oh that's so triggering that's so triggering but really when we're talking about triggers in this case I mean like this can really bring us into a a a, a, a lot of distress it can really distress us and then what's difficult there is that when we're in that state we'll go into one of our state we'll either go into fight flight freeze fawn Often when we're in that freeze response, when, we, when we're kind of paralyzed, we don't know what to do because our, our, our ability to think, even, even just to escape or to, or to become avoidant or to anything is sort of frozen, like we're frozen. And so there is no ability to take action or to do anything. Um, so even learning to have any reaction, even if it's a bit avoidant or even if it's a bit anxious, like can be a healthy way to remove to, to remove ourselves from being completely frozen and actually start going into action. So that's a, a, an important thing to remember as well. But then from there also seeing what kind of action, what we can do there. And this is where we start to use our awareness. We start to uh, to be able to move into action, of course, requires awareness. And then from there too, what are we what are we doing and why and all of that. But before we get into that, like before we move on to those things with ourselves, like in this episode, yes, but also with ourselves, 
we're understanding that there's a very strong feeling inside of us, right? Like something was ignited and that activity in the amygdala, like that thing happening, that cascade of, of, of events after or of reactions in the body after that, like those are the ones that we can't necessarily control, right? Like these are the ones that are happening. And then we are like, oh, okay, now I'm going to do this. I'm afraid. I'm annoyed. I'm angry. I'm, I'm, um, I'm triggered. And now I'm doing all of these things and I'm starting to scream or I want to run away or I'm starting to cry or I want to hide. Whatever it is, we'll feel these different things. And then we, we start to enter like the result, like what happens after the biological part, right? So first identifying that there's something that's happened on a biological level. Yeah, we've had a trigger. And asking ourselves what really happened or what we're really afraid of, like what actually happened. And not just like I am feeling afraid or I am feeling uh, upset or I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling sad. But what is the threat? Like, what am I thinking is happening here? And the reason why that's really important is because we want to begin the process of understanding what well, what the threat is, like what, what, what is activating us in that way, what is triggering us and and changing the way we identify with this, right? So if I get triggered and I suddenly go, oh my goodness, like, like I, I just get all, and I'm probably not even thinking a lot of this. I'm not saying, oh my goodness, right? Like no one's triggered and then saying, oh my goodness, I'm so triggered. Like, oh, must, must not be triggered. Like that's not really how it happens, obviously, right? Like, but we go through this entire experience and what's really helpful and if we try to avoid it and this is what we say and why I often emphasize that denial or or avoidance like pushing it down is not helpful because what we're doing is we're continuing to tell our bodies that yeah when we are triggered or when we are reminded of this or when we remember this event or this this feeling that we just push it down because it's so uncomfortable it's awful and we don't want to deal with it so we keep pushing it down but then we're adding layers of discomfort to an already uncomfortable memory and so what we want to try to do instead is say okay I'm being triggered right now or I'm remembering said event or something is happening in here and I'm getting this physiological response like I'm feeling all these feelings I am going to try to change the way I associate with this change the, the change the association with these feelings and with this trigger for example i'm going to get really firmly rooted in the present moment i'm going to try to really get back into my body rather than allowing myself or letting myself or even moving myself into complete um, externalization and starting to do all these other things recognizing okay this is what's happened and asking myself what really is happening here like what is this reminding me of or what is the real threat here what am I really afraid of not what did so and so do or what am I feeling really but like what is this like what is at the root of this and then saying okay well is the threat right now really that Right? Like, is, is this what's happening right now when this person's raising their voice or when we're having a, an argument about a chore or, or something like that? It's not to say that these things are not activating and not challenging. And it can obviously be way more significant than, a, than chores being done or not done and all these different things, of course. Even though they all feel equally distressing, they're not the same, but they are distressing. And we can say, well, 
yeah, okay, it feels like the ultimate threat. Fair enough. We evidently, we know this because our body is reacting in that way. But what is really happening? What is actually the threat here? And what, what is, what, like, what, where am I with this? What am I feeling with this? How do I, what's happening inside of me? And what am I most afraid of? What feels like, what, what is being triggered? What is, I'm trying to find different questions and different ways of looking at it. Whatever resonates with you really in terms of getting into the, the real, the, 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 the raw element of it, like the, the root of this. And then from there, calming that response and regulating from there, regulating from within and from the root, from the source before we get to thinking about the thoughts and the feelings and the other things, right? And this is what we talk about first, regulating the nervous system, regulating the part that was activated before we even said, oh, I'm angry, right? Before. And this is one of those things. And so, and again, this is helpful with or without feeling like that we've been through trauma or having been through trauma. Like I know a lot of people will ask like, well, I, I have not been through anything traumatic, like, but I identify with that. Okay, because we're human and we have stress responses and we have situations that are distressing to us and we have, right, like we, we feel this. So to different degrees, of course, not on different levels and in different situations, of course. But if you identify with this, it doesn't mean that you've, right? Like it's, it's not necessarily because of trauma. However, we can definitely have a lot more of this when we have, uh, when we've been through traumatic experiences, because the, 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 the thing that has happened to us or the things that have happened to us can leave us way more easily activated for example with cptsd and this is why i sort of outlined cptsd before this idea that we'll be constantly in a certain state of stress or in a constant stress response because there's always this pervasive or there's this alwaysness to the to the experience that is traumatic with for example child uh, child abuse or uh, emotional abuse, physical abuse, right? It, 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 different things, psychological abuse. Um, it's not necessarily one big event, but actually repeated events over a period of time. And what happens in those situations, amongst other things, of course, but a really big piece here, especially relevant to this episode, is that we're constantly in a heightened state. And we're afraid always. We'll feel a lot of feelings of shame, for example, of distrust, or of, uh, of, of anxiety and disorganization and lack of being able to regulate our emotions or always being afraid to displease uh, a parent or both parents or reading people's moods, like we, reading, for example, our parents' mood to see what how we're going to have to behave that day depending on their mood, for example. Or uh, we want to make sure that we don't do anything wrong so that we don't get punished. Or we want to make sure that we don't do anything wrong because then we're, we're going to displease the parent. And then when we displease the parent, they withhold love from us or they reject us or they mistreat us or something like that, you know? Uh, of course, there are unfortunately so many examples and so many situations in which this happens or and, and other things happen of course and I couldn't possibly speak to all of them but just to name a few these are some things that can keep us in a constant state or a constant heightened state uh, of hypervigilance of stress and with a constant state of stress like this we can have an overactivated amygdala right we can have an overactivated threat response or, or stress response uh, distress response um, and 
find ourselves more easily in a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response, right? And so when we have these, it's so hard to then regulate. And it's hard even in the best of circumstances, even just with what we're given as humans, like with any experience, it's difficult to be aware and kind of go back and say, wait, before I thought these thoughts and felt these feelings, there was an actual biological process that took place inside of me. That's hard enough at best. But when we're when we pair that with very strong fears or very strong memories of past traumatic events, this can be extremely distressing. And of course, we're going to be more likely to want to avoid these situations and ignore them, or we'll want to get into another state or maybe dissociate, for example, something like that. And so it, it's, it becomes increasingly difficult, but very important nevertheless to find a way to anchor in, right? So inward and down always anchoring inward and down. And then from there, once regulated and once that is sorted, so to speak, we then can enter conflict resolution, for example, or how to relearn and repattern. And okay, how can I do this differently so that the relationship is healthier for me and for the other person and so on and so forth, right? And so when when we are reminded and when we're feeling these things to remember that these are triggers for a reason. This is an automatic response for a reason. And addressing ourselves and addressing that trigger with care and with compassion and with acceptance as well. And this is why we talk a lot about self-compassion on the show and mindfulness and and talking to ourselves and connecting to ourselves with gentleness, gentleness and kindness because we can be so hard on ourselves, especially if we're living in constant states of shame or guilt or 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 just being so mean to ourselves. And that's when the narrative comes in. That's when these core beliefs come in. These feelings of inadequacy, of of being lesser than, of being unworthy and all of these things. But first there's this, there's this reaction every time something happens that reminds us of a past experience or, you know, every time we're triggered. So we can let our triggers be our teachers. We can, we can allow them to show us what what is trying to reveal itself to us, right? Like we can allow our triggers to reveal wounds and pains and and events that we might not really want to remember or that we might not really uh, realize are affecting us as much as they are, right? We don't always realize how much our past is, is affecting us. And a lot of the time we might think, well, what does my childhood have to do with this? Like, how could something that happened when I don't even rem- remember be affecting me now, but research has reach. Oh my goodness, research has shown that in fact, our nervous systems do remember. Our body does keep score. There are real shifts in our in our physiology that happen when when we live life, and 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 especially when we you know are when we've been through trauma, even if we can't remember like on a cognitive level, right? That we can, we, we internalize this, like we have this still in us and it does affect us. And that's why it plays out in different ways. And so we'll go through things. And that's why we say like, what, what, what you, what we don't heal will reveal itself to us. This is partly what we mean by that. Well, why, why a lot of therapists will say that, why I've said that, right? Um, because that's something that can happen, right? It'll, it'll play out for us. And so, it is important to 
try to and I, okay so of course therapy is a really important a really important step here not because we necessarily have to go way back into our traumas and relive everything and re uh, and and open everything up again in fact research has also shown that a lot of healing can be done through building healthy relationships like a lot can be done with that so it's not to say that you must go back and relive all of these things but definitely helping uh, look, seeking help with a mental health professional who can safely guide you through a, a process that will help you get closer to healing and go down the path of healing and find healthier relationships is very helpful here of course but in terms of what you can do in terms of practices that you can keep in mind and that you can hold with that you can resource to in situations like this is of course okay I'm being aware, like allowing yourself to be aware and really take a break here and say, okay, I'm feeling activated right now. Like I'm feeling distressed. I need to take a break. I'm there. There's a lot happening right now. And so before we even got here, tell yourself by the time I'm at the point where I'm wanting to behave a certain way, by the time I'm feeling and thinking and doing all these things something has happened inside of me and I need to know what happened there and not what like I said before not just what someone did or what someone said like that's already in the thinking and the feeling but what's the actual threat here what was what button was pushed what what is trying to reveal itself to me right now or what can I uncover by being a little bit more curious by exploring that investigating that a little bit more and again, with compassion and kindness, not to judge ourselves or, or berate ourselves, but to say, okay, what is really happening here that's making me feel unsafe, that's making me feel insecure? Because ultimately what we want to then restore in the nervous system is safety and security, right? Reminding ourselves that in this moment we are okay, we are safe, we are secure, and everything that is happening we can handle, but we want to first soothe the nervous system and so we think of really taking the time to check in with ourselves anchor in and down and so really checking in asking ourselves the right questions asking ourselves those questions and then also rooting into the physical body like getting back into the present moment getting back into the physical body this is especially helpful if we're feeling sort of out of body and like we don't really know what's happening anymore and we're really high into this disorganization we're like okay bringing it all the way back down and all the way in right deep deep breaths like deep belly breaths and just letting the time with every inhalation and exhalation allowing the nervous system to settle more and more even drinking some cold water going out for some air um, you know these different distress tolerance techniques looking at looking around the room and noticing what you can see, what you can smell, what you can taste, what you can touch, like all these different things and really rooting yourself back into the present moment and into the into the world around you and into your body. Really important things as well. And then two, and then as well as in like the a third, so not not two, three, but also <laughs> as a third as a third action, as a third takeaway is remembering that we want to find new ways of associating, right? So I mentioned this before, new ways of, of, of associating with this feeling. So when we do feel uncomfortable and when we do feel distressed, uh, anything like that, there is something here that we're struggling with. Obviously, it's uncomfortable to sit with. It's difficult. It's scary. We want to 
we, we get really agitated by this feeling, right? And so we'll either avoid it or we'll self-soothe, self-medicate, we'll externalize, we'll do a lot of these different things. But if we can sit with it just for a moment and ask ourselves those questions and then root in to those anchors and and regulate the nervous system and already start to lessen the threat by identifying it, by noticing it and coming face to face with it in a way and realizing, okay, it isn't the threat that I thought. In this moment, right here, right now, what's real, what's true is that I'm in this moment, there's this world around me, there's this, there are these things I'm noticing, and, and already there, we're, we're definitely lessening the threat, and we're regulating the nervous system more and more as we're going through this, and as we're taking deep breaths and signaling to the brain that everything is okay, and that we're okay, and that we are safe, this is obviously so significant. But then also trying to say, what can I associate with this moment? So instead of getting completely immersed in what the moment was, like as in what the original moment was, right? So it's we're feeling triggered and we're thinking back at why we're feeling this way. Well, because when I was younger, this, this, this happened with so-and-so and it made me feel like this and they always used to do this and then they used to do this and then that and then they would do this and we can start to spiral again and then reactivate ourselves again and really think ourselves into a frenzy, like think ourselves back into trigger and back into uh, and really kind of compound trauma, the, the, the event and the memory and, and kind of add more to it, which is what we often will do if we don't resource elsewhere. But if instead we can say, but that was then and now, here and now, it's different. I'm different. The moment is different. Life is different. This is different. And I am safe here and now. And I know differently here and now. And I I do differently here and now. And we start to slowly plant these seeds of it is different. I am safe. I am secure. And I, 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 I have myself here. I'm going to do this differently. And we start to resource to those different things so that slowly we do start to associate, like make different associations with those memories. And then it's something that we can remember on a, on a, um, like we can remember the things that we that we know, right? We can remember the things that we've been through, the things that we've lived, but they don't feel so like turbocharged, right? We don't feel them to the depths of our soul. And one thing that I, I find helpful to explain, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but maybe I have, but what I do find helpful to think about and what like I've learned over time as well personally is that when I would, when I was more in it or when I was more, um, yeah, let's say I was more in it it felt like an electric charge that went through me. But as I started to create more security inside myself and learn to resource and kind of get back into the present moment and associate it with what my life is now and what I know to be true now and with how everything is, like how all the things are different now, I could look at the event, I could remember the events, but it didn't feel like an electric charge that went through me. It was like, I, I, it was like something I could notice, but it didn't feel like really rooted in me. And another way I explained it once was like, I can feel it up here. And I was pointing to my, my mind, like my head, but I don't really feel it deep in here anymore. And then I would like point to my heart. Like it just didn't feel deep in me anymore. It was more like up there. It was more intellectual. Like I could remember or I could understand or I could see, or I could, you know, notice and whatever it was, if it was like a present moment situation, like something that had just happened 
instead of being like oh this is always what happens this is always what ends up happening this is this is I can make sense of this because back in the day that would happen and then that would happen and then that would happen and I would get so triggered and so activated and feel so much pain and I had to learn slowly to say well okay hang on a second though but this is different in that I am different my life is different my truth is different my my experience is different I want my my next moment to be different I wanted to go into a place of of change of action and of like how can I make this different how can I make this healthier for myself I don't want to spiral into this when I think of that I I want to find a, a new way to live like a new way to think of this and so I had to learn to create yeah a new life and yeah new patterns and and new relationships and all of that but also a new way of of living when I was reminded or when things did happen right and so that when when the initial reaction was oh my goodness like my my body remembered like my nervous system remembered oh my god that was that now this is now this must happen this is a threat you know, as in I'm, I'm being, this is not actually what my nervous system is thinking. The nervous system doesn't think like that, but for just for the sake of this anecdote, like if the nervous system could speak, <laughs> right? Like it senses a threat and then it goes into, it does that biological process, right? There's that like cascade of, 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 um, of chemicals and all those things are happening. And then I go into whatever narrative, whatever thought process, the, the core beliefs, the narrative, everything, all of that is just pouring out. And it's like, oh my goodness, all of these different things. And then everything is supercharged, right? Instead, it was, you can train yourself to then say, well, hang on a second. No, no, no. Now, when things happen, you can actually slowly make it so that the automatic response is not trigger or in like intense activation, but rather, oh, that's happening. Okay, I understand that that's not desirable or that's unpleasant or that's, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and it can make me feel a certain way or I can disagree or I can be like, oof, I don't necessarily want to engage with that, but it doesn't, I don't feel it to the depths of my soul. Does that make sense? And so that's part of reprogramming. That's part of the healing process as well. And so it's not to say that we don't remember it's not to say that we don't feel that we can't remember the 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 pain or the the anxiety or the sadness or anything like that it's just to say that the the biological response will not be the same because we remember it differently right so we've not compounded it with more negative thoughts and feelings because of the biological reaction that we have but we've actually replaced it with resourcing to healthier things healthier thoughts like the present moment anchors what I know to be true about our my life now what I know to be true about my relationships now the things that I do differently now how my life is different now um how I'm doing things differently now right and so on and so forth and so then that becomes more automatic and that becomes the way that we think of things and so that's an example of how we can do things slightly differently and, and not just slightly differently, but as in they feel like small little changes, but actually have significant impacts on how we then identify or like relate to ourselves, to the world around us, to people and affect the way we are in relationships. And then of course, in and this is why also they say that developing healthy relationships is so healing as well, is because we then start to say, wait, when 
I feel like this in my relationship and we kind of look back at the other like the quick examples we did before now instead we'll we'll, we'll have a, a biological reaction we'll think okay so now this is happening I'm feeling like this but wait I I don't feel it so deeply anymore like this isn't so crippling to me anymore I can be like okay I'm definitely having a reaction because we will have reactions it's not to say that we will not have a stress response anymore that's not possible of course we we are going to have we're going to get activated in life okay of course it's more just oh I'm activated and again I know it sounds funny when I say it like this it's obviously not exactly how it happens but just sort of just sort of give it a voice in a way there will be that biological reaction and that biological process and then we can say ah okay, but I learned to resource, like I, I'm feeling activated, I am activated, I can use my distress tolerance techniques, then I can go into conflict resolution mode, for example, or I can go and have this conversation with this person and start to really understand, okay, well, what was really happening here? We can learn to co-regulate, we can learn to have conversations, to, to go into this conversation with trust and with security, because I've noticed the threat, I've, I've, identified that there's a threat response and I've weighed like I've 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 assessed what's actually happening and then I've soothed my nervous system instilled a sense of safety and security in my nervous system soothed myself so that then I can go into the cognitive side and like the emotional mental you know aspect of, of the thing of the situation and then have sound conversations right and we can we can resolve we can communicate we can do these different things we can repair we can you know make changes to our behavior to our dynamic things like that right and so that's how all of that happens now as we move forward in this i i, I felt it really important to also add that when we're dealing with trauma or memory like traumatic like memories of traumatic events or or um toxic dynamics or dealing with challenging personalities obviously these are these are things we talk a lot about on the show but I want to add as well that in these situations if if something is unhealthy or something is painful or someone keeps treating you badly or there are things that just don't feel right that that is possible not everything can be fixed because we are doing this work it takes two of course in a relationship to do the work and if you're going if you like if you're on this journey and you're doing this work and you're finding that someone else's behaviors are still damaging or unhealthy and boundaries just won't suffice it is okay to decide that this is not the right relationship for you, like that you don't want a relationship with this person anymore. And sometimes the boundary is little to no contact or no contact, right? It's not just, and I, and I, and I know we talk a lot about boundaries and I know we talk a lot about, you know, what we can do to have healthy relationships and why boundaries are so important and such an integral part of, of healthy relationships. But it, there is also such a thing as a relationship not being right for us and there being nothing else for us to do and boundaries not being enough or in or another or rather that the boundary might be no contact and I know it's not easy to make this decision especially if it's a few people it's never really easy but especially if it's multiple people 
right? Or it's a group of people, or perhaps a group of friends, or perhaps even multiple family members. It can be very difficult and we can feel all kinds of feelings. There's a grieving process. There's some nostalgia. There's some sadness. There's maybe some guilt, some shame. I Obviously, I don't know your specific situation. I couldn't possibly start to speak to every single story here, every single situation. But I will say this. It is okay to feel sad or to feel nostalgic or to miss someone and still have made the right decision about not wanting this person in your life. It's okay to grieve and go through that process. In fact, it is important to do whatever we need to do to heal. And it's it's okay to go through all of that and still have made the right decision. Deciding that you don't want someone in your life anymore doesn't mean that when you make that decision and you no longer have them in your life, that it will just be like unicorns and rainbows after that. You may very well feel relieved. You may very well feel free. You may very well feel happy and at peace with your decision. But it's okay if between those moments or even if at the same time, there's some nostalgia or there's some sadness as part of the grieving process or even some shame. You might feel some shame and some guilt. As I said, that's okay particularly with shame, it's just important that we understand why we're feeling that shame and that we allow ourselves to do that work and see that we don't have to feel ashamed or guilty for making a choice for ourselves. You know, it's we are allowed to say that we don't want someone in our lives. It doesn't matter who the person is. And even when it's less accepted, like especially with family or something like that, let's just let's just say it, like, <laughs> you know, it can be a little bit or very uh, like frowned upon or, or, unna- or it's seemingly unnatural to decide that you don't want a family member or multiple family members in your life anymore. I can, uh, I can completely relate to that feeling. I, I really, really know how challenging that can be. And I don't mean that because of like my clinical practice, I mean that because of my personal experience. <laughs> uh, and I've spoken to this uh, quite a bit, or not, maybe not a ton, but you know, a bit on the show, but I can definitely relate to this. And and yes, it, it can, and, and that can add to the shame or to the guilt. And, um, and, and, you know, and that's okay, right? Like not everyone will understand that choice and not everyone will even be okay with it or agree or anything like that. And, that, and that's fine, that's their choice. But you are allowed to say, this isn't right for me. This isn't healthy for me. There is nothing that I can do. Like I have given everything that I can to this and it is just, there is no point. Like this is not worth it. Like I don't have the bandwidth for this anymore. And this isn't right for me. This is damaging to me. It hurts me. It's uh, it's unhealthy. It's draining, depleting, whatever. Whatever it is that, that you find it is that just doesn't feel right you are allowed to make that decision and you don't need someone's permission and you don't need to justify yourself to anyone or explain yourself to anyone it is your right to make this decision and I know it's difficult especially if 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 people meet you with resistance or with 
attacks or with judgment and criticism. Like it, it's especially difficult when that happens. And often very likely in a, in a situation like that, of course, because, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, um, it's easy to be villainized when we make a decision like that, you know, and we don't have to go into all of that. We have talked about this before on the show. And so we don't have to go into all of that right now, but it, it's of course going to, it's often going to happen. It's likely in fact that it, that it happened like that. Um, especially when we do something unnatural or when it's like a few people and we're sort of making this decision and then they sort of feed off each other, like singling you out in a way sometimes. And then you're like, no, I'm, I'm still pretty certain about my decision. Like, you can doubt yourself a lot, especially if it's you versus multiple people, but you can even doubt yourself if it's you versus one person. And I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say and and wanting to encourage you to do is remember that it isn't you versus someone or them versus you or anything like that. It is you for you, you here for yourself, choosing yourself and deciding, wait, this isn't healthy for me. I want a healthy life. I want a happy life. I want healthy relationships. I want to be with people who love me and value me and support me and with whom I don't feel I have to justify myself and with whom I don't feel scared or or like worried all the time, right? Like people that I feel safe and secure with and who challenge me to be a better version of myself, who challenge me and inspire me, not who you know, not, not the opposite, anything that would be the opposite of that, right? So it's not to say that we want people who just say yes, 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 yes all the time. That's not what I mean. We want people who help us grow. We want to be with people who, who like I said, challenge us to be better versions of ourselves, who inspire us, really. You know, of course we want that. But there's a difference between that and people who, like with whom we always feel ashamed or with whom we always feel like we have to cower next to them or like we have to play small or like we're always being judged or whatever that there's any any toxic behavior any gaslighting scapegoating anything like that manipulation lies criticism judgment um constant gossip uh jabs like any any form really of bullying uh, emotional abuse physical abuse anything like that um anything like that is you, you don't deserve that you don't need that and it is your right to say no to that and to choose something better and to want better for yourself and to build better for yourself and as you do and as you start to live that way as you start to prioritize yourself and your well-being and your healing and you start to fill your life with joy and with hobbies and people and activities and you know anything with with habits that bring you joy that feel good that actually help you be a healthy version of yourself and that help you be uh, on a path that you're happy to be on the more that's natural, the more that's the normal for you, that's the new normal. And the more you're going to start to see a difference between that and the way it is with some of those people. And that's also a sign. Like when you start to be like, wow, it's so exhausting when I'm with this person. Like I always feel like I need days to recover after or I'm anxious or, you know, like anything like that is, 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 is a sign. And of course I can't speak to any, to every situation and to any specific situation here. Of course, this is just general information. Please keep that in mind. Um, but these are signs that, okay, we might need to reevaluate this dynamic or this relationship. Right. And, and remember that 
every day, every little promise you can keep to yourself, every time you can choose yourself a little bit more every day is you saying, I deserve to be happy. I I deserve to feel good. I, I like to, to work out because it means I'm choosing myself and I'm taking time out for my day. Or, you know, I like to get on the mat and, and do some meditation every morning because that's me choosing me. And, you know, when we when we choose ourselves, when we start to get into a good routine, when we start to develop habits that allow us to check in with ourselves and connect with ourselves. Uh, you know, we like a morning routine, a nighttime routine, habits, you know, pillars of, of well-being in our day, whether it's drinking enough water, eating well, um, doing some yoga in the morning, going for a walk at night, uh, stretching, meditating, making sure that we take deep breaths throughout the day, uh, getting back into hobbies that we love, journaling, anything that brings us joy, spending time with loved ones, with friends, with, with our partners, with you know, people who make us feel good, with whom we feel more energized when we're, when, we're, when we're done, when we leave them. We feel more energized with them and even after, like we, we feel energized with them and, and when, we, when we leave them, right? Like these are all signs that, that's, that, that this is healthier this is better this is good for you and especially when we're when we're used to chaos and disorganization and fear and and these intense uh, you know high chaos high volatility dynamics calm steady secure uh you know dynamics and routines are really helpful for us and it's not to say that we don't enjoy adventure and that we don't want adventure. It's not to say that. I mean, of course, those things are always helpful. We always like to, to you know, move around. I mean, we're all different, of course, but it's not to say that we're not allowed to have adventure. Like, I like my routine and I like my, my habits and I like what, what my days entail, even though they, 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 the, some things are pretty constant and stable. Other things kind of look different every day. It really depends. But I, I like my routine. But of course, I like adventure. I like to go with the flow, spice things up sometimes, do different things. We like to travel. We like to do, right? So it's it's not like you have to choose one or the other. You do what feels right for you. But also having a steady sense of security and of of consistency is going to be really important in reinstilling trust in yourself. That's the really important piece here is developing that sense of trust and security inside yourself. Because then once that grows, when we plant those seeds and then that grows inside of us, this trust, this security, it will impact the way that we relate to the world around us, to the way that we experience the world around us and to the way that we relate to ourselves and to others. And this is so important when we think that before this lack of trust, this lack of security impacted us in the way that it did and was hurting us in the way that it was. And these dynamics that we that we were constantly finding ourselves in were so damaging to us. We can see how the alternative, right, finding something healthier and and with and more positive can affect us in such healthier ways, right? In such positive ways and be better for our overall well-being in the long term as well and so that's why it's so important to notice what our patterns are notice what tends to be prevalent in our in our life start to notice and say okay what makes me feel good what is inspiring what is what is what feels right and aligned and what really doesn't what is draining what is depleting what is anxiety inducing what is you know and and really weighing and evaluating what's going on here. And one more thing I'm going to leave you with, and I have used this in the past, and so I'm just going to use it again. It's this idea of finding five values that really resonate with you in terms of what you want your life to be about. 
And I know a lot of this might sound a bit self-indulgent or a bit woo-woo or a bit weird. I, You know, whatever. Maybe it feels like that. That's also why I said that at the beginning of the episode. Maybe some of this sounds weird. But I really believe that these are important practices. Self-compassion, mindfulness, you know, therapy, uh, yoga, for example, physical activity, routines, choosing you, connecting to you, and developing healthy relationships, understanding the way that you work, understanding your patterns, understanding your nervous system, and and seeing how this is affecting you and how it's playing out and how you can change this because you can, you can relearn, you can build new patterns, you absolutely can. And so one thing I really like to think about as well is this idea of values. What are my values? What do I want to feel when I make a decision or when I am experiencing something or when I am doing something or when I am in a relationship or in a, in a process? What do I want to feel? And so you might say, for example, one of my values is connection. I want to feel connected, connected to myself, connected to nature, connected to the earth, connected to the people I love, connected to my work, connected to my hobbies. It might be connection, right? Another one might be love. I want to feel love in what I do. I want to feel love in in who I'm with, for example. Another one might be freedom. I want to feel free. I want to feel just no shame, no guilt, no, you know, unattainable expectations I need to meet, you know, whatever freedom is to you, but just free, you know, like that one, for example, is a really big one for me. I I actually, all three so far have been, (laughs) have been values that I definitely hold as core values of mine, right? So freedom, just feeling free, like just uh, the ability to be free to explore to learn to try like I just love that idea of freedom and then something else might be exploration curiosity you know something like that like I like to explore I want to feel like I there's movement like I'm allowing myself to explore intellectually emotionally mentally you know spiritually something like that um and move around and 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 do that right uh something else might be finding purpose in something or or wanting to feel um inspired or it might be, you know, something like that, whatever it is for you and finding these values and seeing how you can keep them in mind when you're making decisions in life and when you're going through life, like, does this make me feel these five values or does this make me feel, you know, security might be another one, like safety and security, like that's another really big one for me. Does this make me feel safe and secure? Do I feel safe and secure in this relationship? Do I feel safe and secure in this environment? Do I feel safe and secure in this moment with myself? Am I able to provide myself with that as well and it's not just about what others can offer us or what the environment can offer us but also what can we offer us what can we offer ourselves right what can we offer others too right so all of these questions really important questions in instilling safety and security in ourselves trust right consistency harmony and this this set of resources for ourselves so that, you know, when we are distressed, or when we are going through something, or when we are activated, or when there is, you know, anything, because life happens, of course, that doesn't change, but that we have resources, and that we can make decisions accordingly, and that we have boundaries, we have 
you know, we, we, we grow our sense of self-worth, we, we grow our resilience, our emotional resilience, our mental resilience, we, we can make decisions, we can say, this is right for me, this is not right for me, we can, we can hold our own. This is so important, and this is what this work is all about, right? Okay, so, so this was a pretty long episode, um, and pretty pretty jam-packed. I, I feel like I say this at the end of every episode, but this one feels particularly so. Don't know why. It was, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. I know why. There's a lot of stuff. Um, but I definitely wanted to leave you with something, uh, that, that touches on a lot of different things and that can answer as many questions as possible because I do get a lot of questions about this and, and I know I couldn't possibly answer everything, but you know, I thought I would try to fit as much as I could into this episode. And uh, I wanted to leave you with this. So as I said before, there will be episodes lined up uh, for the month of May. I will be back uh, at the end of May. So the week that is the week of May 30th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so that I will be back then and we will continue business as usual. Uh, But in the meantime, yeah, in the meantime, we will have our guest episodes out. You have this one and of course, any other content that's out there. Links to my website, to my ebook, to booking appointments and everything like that in the show notes so you can always find those there and of course you can always email me always feel free to email me if you have any questions if you want to talk about anything uh, I always get back to you and I always try to help as much as I can so and even if you just like I said even if you even want to say hi or something like that that's fine too all right so thank you again so much for joining me today thank you for being here and for all your support uh, supporting my work, supporting the show, everything, and for for being here and doing the work, for showing up and being curious and being dedicated, for showing up for yourself and and doing the practice, doing the work. I know how I know how much dedication and and commitment it takes to to connect to yourself and to connect to this journey. So, yeah, I I I respect you for that, and I and I'm here with you for that, and we are all in this together. So we're connected in that and uh and yeah my heart is with you and um yeah so I just wanted to say that and thank you again so much and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day and a wonderful rest of your week and a wonderful next few weeks until we connect again until next time bye-bye